today. It's going to be a great episode. I can already feel it. I've got my friend here, Matt Johnston from Guide Social. He is like Mr. Video, and I'm really excited to have him share some of his insights and what he's seeing happen in the world. Uh, he's an adjunct professor. He does a lot of coaching. He's just all over on social media. I got the privilege of meeting Matt originally at Social Media Marketing World, and I'm really honored to have him on here as a guest. So Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Valerie. Yeah. So um, I'm sure I left a few things out of that, but do you want to give people a little bit of an overview of what your focus is specifically in the online space and, and what you're doing with your agency? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, I've, I've, I've been in online video for a very long time. I was sort of an early pioneer in it when I was not an entrepreneur and I was running big video programs, some, some of the really big publishers back when online video was just sort of starting to become a thing like back in 2015. Um, and you know, now we, now I, now I help people leverage all that stuff to actually make money as entrepreneurs. Um, on the agency, we mostly make video ads for companies, um, and we do a little bit of organic. But on the coaching side, I I teach money to make people make money with video. It's kind of all that it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you say like back way back when, and it's only 2015. <laughs> a few, I know, few, yeah. few years here, but you know, we. I mean, people have been preaching this in the digital marketing space for years that you know video is where your focus needs to be and that it's only going to get bigger and bigger and now we've seen that happen um i think the rise of tiktok and instagram reels and all the short form space um has really just kind of taken video to a different level so um so yeah that's that's amazing thanks so much for for giving that background um how have you found yourself innovating to keep up with all the changes that happen in the online space, specifically around video? I think the first thing that's important to like, to think about is that it's not important to innovate, to keep up with changes. And, and I think this is where like a lot of people screw up and where a lot of misplaced focus is. Mm. Here's, here's the thing, like you have to ask yourself, the first thing that you should do before you make any sort of content online is ask yourself why you're making it. And there's a lot of folks out there that are teaching how to make content and there's no why, like what, what is the purpose of that content? And social media has created this world where we create content and then we get really obsessed with the idea of creating content to uh that improves or gets seen more and and then the 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 key metric that we look at then is how much is it seen or how mm -hmm. much is it engaged with and that's the most important thing and that's like the key metric and that makes sense with the psychology of humans because we're hardwired maybe softwired, but it might as well be hardwired sure. that to be obsessed with uh, validation. Like we, we, we need our, we need our personalities to be, we, we need to be validated as humans at all times. And when people are 
watching us on mass or liking our content on mass or sharing it that gives us personal validation and so we keep making more content and then there's all these other coaches and stuff and like consultants and like publishers and stuff that show up they're like how to get more views and how to get more likes and and like how to get seen more and do you want a secret to get more views and but none of those things i mean it's only going to make you feel better about yourself so if this is a hobby great like go for it like that's what you want to do is to get more views but if but if you uh, are doing it for marketing purposes right the only real metric that you can look at is sales and revenue and leads into your business so the idea of keeping up with trends is has to be like purely in line with that so i to be honest i don't put a ton of effort into like keeping up with trends because one of the things, but I mean, of course I do like ride new algorithmic waves to try to sure. like get seen more because I've already built out like the marketing back end of it. But at the same time, I think that when like all the stuff that I was like pioneering on in like 2014 and 2015, when I could put up a video organic on Facebook and have it get 5 million views in a day, which is impossible now. I mean, all those lessons are the same. I mean, because human psychology hasn't changed and what, what, what people want to consume maybe has changed a little bit, but generally it, it's the same. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's essentially the same. So really um, we're always trying to hack the system and hacks are sexy because hacks lead to quick results and quick results lead to a feeling of gratification, but there's not, you know, so, so, so what, what we do with uh with with my content organically at least in a vacuum is that we look simply at what's performing better or worse and we look for smaller changes based on what we're seeing in the algorithm i don't i try not to pivot a lot though within what i do to fit like different things that are happening does that make sense i just want to make yeah. sure that every time that i'm having a conversation about social media that we're actually talking about why we're doing it because yeah. there's a real toxic side of social media that um and it's not necessarily bad people it's the dopamine triggers in our brain and i worry about us <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I i really do you know I, so i i want to make sure that we're on there and creating for the right reasons uh, and not the wrong reasons, if that makes sense. So that's like the theoretical, like really poor answer to your question. No, I'm just getting no, off I my mean, chest. You just said so many great things. And I think like, you know, a lot of people come to folks like you and me and they want those. I mean, in our space on the back end, we'll call them vanity metrics, um, where it's like, it's just for show. It's just going to make you feel good. But is it actually driving results? Um, and so yeah. when I'm talking to clients, we're talking about how's the content performing. Sure. We're looking at the social metrics, but I'm also saying like, okay, well, how much, how much traffic is this driving to your landing page? You know, and let's, let's take a look at like, how many email signups are we getting? How many of these other things that are going to push them into your sales funnel or further in your sales funnel are, you know, is the content helping to support versus just how many people hit like on it? Um, and so I think like having that higher level view of what you're doing and having it truly focused towards, Hey, is this going to help you drive sales? If it's not, 
why are you doing it? <laughs> and I think there's reasons to put content out that isn't all just about sales because social is social, but, um, but no, I think you said some really great nuggets in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I think you're right. There is a dark side <laughs> to social that, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but I go through seasons where I'm very dark personally on my social activity. I pull away. Um, I'll take major breaks personally, um, just because it, there is some toxicity if, if it is consuming your whole day. Um, you have to be really careful about your mental health. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually don't, um, I don't, enge- I don't consume it. I, I only, I only post and it's mostly my team that does the posting. So I, 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 I had a sort of come to Jesus moment a few months ago where I realized that every time I went on a social platform and scrolled through my feed or whatever, I would get massive imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty protective of my mindset. And I just realized that it was actually doing me no good. Yeah. Um, And it was only damaging me. And I'm pretty woo woo when it comes to this stuff. I think, I think that your thoughts become your reality and you have to be really careful of your inputs. So uh, I actually don't consume it anymore at all. Yeah. (laughs) I only, I only post and my team, posts uh because i know that people are out there and i'm not supposed to be bashing social media or anything and there's obviously many good things that come from it i met my wife on facebook i mean sort of i mean we went to college together and then reconnected 10 years later through facebook and that's all awesome that's all there's a lot of great things that come from social media i've seen a lot of it but i do think it is something you have to be careful of yourself Yeah. yeah yeah And I think just the awareness too, of just how dangerous it can be mentally is probably the first step. Uh, and then actually taking some steps to limit yourself is probably the next. So, um, all right, tell me a little bit of like, what has been a good personal professional win for you in the last few years? What have you just been really excited about? Um, I mean, I think that, I think that, you know, the, the, I've been an entrepreneur for about six years or something, maybe five, I'm trying to think. Um, so not really not together after long. a few years, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so, re- really not too long, but, um, I think that one of the things that I realized and, and, and it would be great for this is a great message for early stage entrepreneurs to like shortcut past the three years that I lost. I mean, like mm-hmm. it was all finding myself and I pivoted all the time and all that stuff and all those cliches, but I didn't really understand direct response marketing until really like a year and a half ago or so when I gotcha. really like started to learn it. Um, because eventually you have to convert all this traffic. I mean, even if you have a strategy and this is our current strategy is largely what we're doing is, um, we're building, we're building lists and we're doing a lot of organic social to try to bring people into like, bring people into closer proximity with our, with the brand. And, uh, but then like, eventually you have to, you have to pull you have to have direct response marketing happening so that you can start to convert these people on the back end and 
learning that was like the key to finally like unlocking mm -hmm. actual monetization with the all of the all the work that you're doing online yeah. um and so i mean certainly from an info product standpoint i mean any revenue that i've gotten from just coaching and type of products has certainly been from direct response advertising um mm -hmm. and then direct response conversion and um on the um and, and i and i think the big thing on the agency side was um just sort of realizing how good the product needs to be like i like many people back in the day like started an agency and I went into like an agency program to learn how to build an agency. So like many people, I copied what somebody else was doing, which is what everybody does. And I didn't, I, 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 there wasn't a lot of like, there was no brand there and, and, and it wasn't really as focused on make the product good. It was focused on how to get clients and that's what everybody wants. And that makes sense because you can't do it. If you don't have clients, there's no product, but when the product is really good, and when you learn how to treat people um, and manage human relationships, mm -hmm. um, you can grow a lot organically uh, just because news about um, you as a human being can kind of go far and wide. Yeah. I would say the other thing is that one of the things that you, you, you sort of learn over time is that the fastest way there, there's like the, the two fastest ways to grow your business are one, um, leveraging and amplifying a charismatic personality, ideally you. Yeah. And two, um, having a no brainer offer that people would feel stupid, not signing up for like having those two things are like the fastest way to grow your business. So, I've done the best. Uh, so I, I try to do the best I can to keep those things in mind as I'm running my business. Like, how do I, how do I make all the social I'm doing and all this type of stuff? Like, how do mm -hmm. I turn that into something that's actually like a, a machine that, um, that I can like build and grow over time, um, with those two things. So I yeah. guess those are just like the biggest lessons that I've Yeah, that I've no, learned. that's. That's great. How long have you, or, um, scratch that. Have you been in marketing your whole professional career or did no, not even close. I spent my twenties. I spent my twenties directing plays in New York city. Okay. I was a theater director. Um, cause I left undergraduate and I just wanted to be in the theater. I wanted to direct plays and I learned how to teach acting and I directed theater in New York city for like seven years and then I didn't want to do it anymore. And then I went back and I got my master's at Syracuse because I was going to go into broadcast journalism. I was, that's okay. what I wanted to do. And Syracuse is the best program for that. Um, and, uh, and that is where I ended up. We were talking about me going to Las Vegas, uh, before this, that's how I ended up in Vegas because I left that master's program or I graduated. And then I ended up, getting a job producing local TV news in Las Vegas at the time. Oh, awesome. And so, yeah, I was in broadcasting and then I went to, I wanted to go online and because I felt like that was 
that was where I, that, that was where everything was headed and I yeah. wanted to be there and TV was sort of dying and you could feel it when you were working in TV. Really? Dying. And so I left and um, that's where I really started the path that I'm on now. However, I was in journalism. So I had my master's in journalism. So I, you know, I went to, I was producing and then I was, um, and then I moved to online video at that point. So I was one of the first video producers at Business Insider. And that's how I started my online video sort of journey. Eventually, New York Magazine um, poached me to build their video program and I built their video program. And then Men's Health and Women's Health poached me from there. And then I built up their video programs. Um, and then I ended up at now this. So I was in journalism for a really long time, specifically in online video, social video journalism, which is like gotcha. a very specific, very specific niche, like for that time mm -hmm. in history, uh, 2013 to 2016, right there when things were like booming in the organic, you know, when you could get organic reach on anything right. online before right. it was pay to play. And, um, and then I ended up just taking all those things I learned and bringing them into my own business. But yeah, no, I, I actually like uh, everything I've learned about like marketing, marketing has really been in the last five years. Um, yeah. So. And it's been boots on the ground learning. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's, you shouldn't go to school to learn marketing. You won't learn anything. Well, it's, <laughs> it's so interesting. Cause I went to school to be an architect and, um, yeah. Yeah. Right place, right time, social media yeah. becoming a thing. You know, sure. it, I got dumped into it and I was like, oh, I really like this. I'm going to stick with this. And uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just funny. It's always fun to hear. I think folks, maybe I have no idea how old you are, but I'm guessing we're probably similar ages. I'm 40. Um, I probably got you. You got oh, me by yeah. a few years, but we're still, <laughs> we're within, we're within a few years, <laughs> but you know, we're part of that age group where you couldn't go to school for social media when we were in college. Like that wasn't a thing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and now people right. are getting degrees in it, you know? So it's just a little, little interesting, but we also got to yeah. see it in action while it was evolving and becoming a thing. So. I don't think you should, I, I don't, I can't imagine why you would get a degree in social media. Like I understand why people would do it because it just seems like it's a trending thing and you enjoy it, but I can't imagine that there's any professors that would really be able to teach you in any great way. And, and also I can't imagine that there's much curriculum that you could, I mean, it's changing so it much. So fast. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're better off if you have to go, to, I mean, like if you want to learn how to use social media, you just go do it mm -hmm. um, and get an, or have an internship. Um, you know, like I have an intern right now and she's learning everything about social media from just doing stuff mm -hmm. on social media. But like, the bet, like, if you really wanted to go into social media, I would probably get a degree in marketing. But even then, it's kind of tough to find a program that's practical. Right, this stuff changes all the time. I mean, I have my own feelings about higher ed and everything, but yeah. Well, you know. we have some mutual friends. I've seen some some comments on a few strings about higher education in the last week or so. And um, <laughs> you, as an adjunct professor, you probably see a lot as well, just of some of the shortcomings and you know 
how much does high ride? Well, I just feel bad for the kids because like you can talk about it theoretically all day long. Right. And, and, but I teach these kids and I talk to them and they don't know how much money they're paying. They're not even connected to it, you know, and they, they don't think about it until later. And, and they're, they're just like, they're not, they're like a lot of them are unhappy with what they're learning. I yeah. feel like somebody's got to stand up for them. Well, I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. I feel like I had a great higher education experience, but I also feel like it was very unrealistic to what the real world was actually like. Yeah. Me I, too. I got out. I mean, I got out and I was working in these cubicles and no offense to the offices and team, if you're ever listening to these, but like, I was so bored working in the architecture industry school was so stimulating creative all this you get out and it was like budgets you know your rank on the totem pole you're you're stuck doing really boring yeah repetitive work in a quiet gray office (laughs) yeah um that was just so quiet um yeah i just i was like I, i need more stimulation so i feel like i'm using my degree more in the marketing space than I ever did working in architecture, which is it's all broken, which is why I don't know how to fix it. You know, I mean, everybody has fun in college because you get drunk and go to parties and you don't get a chance to do that ever again. Right. So, (laughs) you know, and then everybody's like, oh, I love college. I met some of my best friends there. And like, but it's kind of like hidden behind this veil of higher education. It's also Mm -hmm. like, okay, like, do you know it's $70,000 a year that you're paying for that? Right. You know, does that put it in perspective to you? You know, it's just, it's so strange. Cause obviously I have, you know, I have a master's degree, right. undergraduate. I went to half of another master's program that I left and I'm still paying for it. And like, I did get a lot out of it. Right. But man, uh, now, like, it, I just feel like, I feel like college needs to be marketed differently. Like yeah. if it's going to be more like brain expansion, like brain expansion, you know, like social experiment stuff, like then let's market it as that instead of right. just calling it like, <laughs> we're going to prepare you for the real world. Cause I'll tell you firsthand that these colleges do not look at themselves as a prepare for the real world institution. That's just yeah. not how they look at what they do, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've, I've, I've ranted about this before. We don't have to go into this. Well, do you feel like you've used, <laughs> do you feel like you've used your theater background in what you're doing? Yeah, now? totally. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the agency creates video ads. So, I mean, I always will. I mean, obviously like I know how to tell stories because of, because mm-hmm. of that background. And I mean, but it wasn't just school, obviously it was most, sure. uh, most of it was during my twenties, but like, um, I mean, certainly like I direct actors all the time. I write scripts for commercials. Um, I mean, so it's very, it's all sort of in that realm and 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I love like the, having the all presence, the presence on video and the confidence to be behind a microphone and the voice inflection. Like totally. I can see a lot of parallels totally, totally. What you're trained in to what you're doing now with all the video work you're doing. Well, totally. And, and, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do more of is empower other entrepreneurs to be more comfortable on camera and more powerful and just better 
on camera in general and more willing to do it. Um, it's something I'm still sort of fighting to figure out, but, um, I mean, I'm amazing at that. Like if yeah. you work with me, like I can make you confident on camera, like in a couple hours, like, so that came from my theater background, like yeah. for sure. And that's awesome. And we're all like little collections of parts from our past and everything. So yeah. that's cool. Um, that's cool. So, uh, you know, that that's why I'm 40 and I've only been an entrepreneur for five years. I've just had a bunch of careers. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us are in those same, yeah. same boats, right? We've all totally. kind of had some evolution if we've made it this far in life. So uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as opposed to some of the folks uh, like my parents' generation, I look at my aunts and uncles, they had the same career like their whole lives. So it's yeah. definitely different. Um, but but yeah. yeah, a lot of us, we've kind of jumped from one thing to another and you you take stuff with you from every experience. So yeah. If you were to uh, give any advice to someone who's just really thinking about starting to embrace video more, what would you say to them? I mean, the first thing is you have to figure out why you're doing video in the first place. Okay. Assuming so that that's they know that. that. Assuming that they know that, um, I would focus on YouTube first. Um, because okay. I think that's the biggest, I, I think that's the single biggest opportunity in marketing because, because it's search based, it's intent based. So if if, if you're gonna start doing video and you want to do it somewhere and you want to make an impact on your business, the best thing to do is to start a YouTube channel and to sort of dig into how to make that work and get discovered there because people are going to be searching for for what you do on YouTube. And it's going to allow you to create this really good match between your content and what they're looking for, which is just not the case on like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, like I'll do Instagram reels and they'll get like 10,000 views. And I'll be like, I don't even know who these people are. Right. You know, I mean, and uh, I still do it, but it's part of a larger content strategy. Um, but I start with YouTube as my, as my first sort of pillar. And I can share with you, if it'd be helpful, I'll share with you all the, like the sort of, um, we've made a lot of sort of discoveries and we've done a lot of digging into what's working and what's not these days Yeah, and on these different platforms. Um, because I, we start, we've started, um, we started one way and we've really changed the way that we are doing things right now to complement like what we're seeing work and what we're seeing not work so well. One of the mm -hmm. things was I was doing, I, I mean, I've always been, I've always said YouTube first. Um, and so I would, I, I was at first, I was creating a YouTube video every single day. I was just going live, really simple. Like I was using wave, which is yeah. an awesome, which is the best platform yeah, in my I'm opinion to go live on. As well. And you can go live everywhere at once and they have the best live platform in the back end. So I was just going live on live everywhere, including YouTube, put a great thumbnail on it and description. And like, I was putting that in, I was putting that there and, and then my team was cutting that up into reels. And so I'm doing one of those a day and now, you know, so yeah. we're, so we're posting four reels a day on every platform out there. And then the one YouTube video and 
it's great. But what we started to see is that like, I wasn't seeing anything really move the needle on the YouTube side mm. because I, obviously it takes time on YouTube, but at the same sure. time, uh, I think around the same time I was reading Malcolm Gladwell's tipping point, which is mm. this great book. Have you read that? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a few oh, years, was, but I've read it. <laughs> I was reading tipping. Point. You should read it again. I, I just read it twice in a row. I was okay. like, I got to get this stuff in my mind, in my mind. And if you do social content online, you should like study that book because it's literally the science of virality. If you dig down into it. Yeah. But um, it, it started sticking with me. No pun intended because stickiness is the biggest piece of it. So uh, I was I was thinking about why the YouTube content wasn't really taking off. Obviously, I wasn't putting a lot of work into it. I sure. mean, I'm I feel pretty comfortable with my own like ability to talk and be interesting and have charisma and good ideas and stuff, but that's not necessarily enough to like move the needle if you're not creating really purposeful content on YouTube. I was yeah. really just like taking a topic and teaching something or ranting for like 10 minutes. Usually yeah. I was teaching, it had like a flow and it had sure. a point and I could put a good thumbnail on it, but it wasn't moving. And, and then I was, I was trying to think, I was thinking about it. And then I thought again about Malcolm Gladwell. And I thought about the, the, the middle section of the book is all so, so essentially if you haven't read tipping point tipping point is about this it's sort of the it's the science of why um social epidemics happen um i.e like why things go viral or get passed on mass you know why why ideas go viral essentially right. and the there are three main pieces to it but the middle piece is stickiness and there's this great section of the book where he talks all about the inception of sesame street and blues clues and he talks about the science and testing and research that went behind constructing an individual episode of sesame street and how they would monitor how much the kids were like when the kids were tuning out and when kids were paying attention and then they orchestrated that to to uh to, to to make it so that kids were constantly paying attention and they All found right. some interesting things which are more interesting for education than anything else like for example they thought kids would just zone out when they watched video or like that they would tune out when things were less interesting mm -hmm. uh, but really kids were just kids are actually what they found is that kids were actually extremely active viewers and they tuned out when they when they didn't understand things and they tuned mm -hmm. in when they were in when they were engaged and involved um, and then they started to orchestrate the whole thing. There's wow. an interesting tidbit in there about how um, about how when they first did Sesame Street, they didn't have the adults, the human adult characters and the Muppets in the same scenes together because psychologists, uh, child psychologists were putting a lot of pressure on them to not put them together because they were worried that it would blend children's ideas of fantasy and reality. Mm. Um, but it turns out that would just that tanked everything because the adult sections would come on and kids would be completely disengaged. So they finally put them together. They actually filmed whole episodes like that and kids were just not having it. It was really, really kind of fascinating. But the lesson that I got out of that for YouTube and that what I realized is that the videos that I was creating weren't sticky. Like there mm -hmm. wasn't that sticky storytelling thing inside of it because we're hardwired to, 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 to tell stories and to listen to stories and to pay attention to stories because that's how we make sense of the world 
when we're coming into this world, like when we're when we're two, three, four years old, that's how we make sense of the world is that we create stories. Mm -hmm. There's another interesting point in Tipping Point where there was this huge um, amount of research and science done around this one little girl who um, she would talk in, she would talk before she went to bed. She did little monologues before she went to sleep and she would describe what was going to happen the next day or whatever. And mm. she would turn it into a story with yeah. relatively advanced whatever. And then they did a ton of research around that. And, you know, that it sort of presses in that we are taught at a very early age that stories are how we make sense of the world. And then that's those stories create stickiness. And so it made me realize that really I wasn't telling stories and, and or or doing enough storytelling or giving frameworks for storytelling within any of these videos and so they weren't sticky so i was sort of relying on some off the wall opinion i had or some really good teaching moment i had to do the work yeah. rather than creating stickiness and so now instead of doing that every day we're creating more like one or two youtube videos a week and trying to create have every video have like one very specific piece of DNA that makes it more shareable. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really important because ultimately um, that's how YouTube works. You actually don't have to create a ton of content on YouTube. Um, and so now we're divorcing YouTube from all the other content mm. that we're doing. We're creating little shorts um, on the, yeah. And so, of course, like one of the lessons we're learning, of course, is that every platform is unique. But I, I think that it's it's more important to do it than not do it. Yeah. So we're, I mean, yes, if I went and I made individual Instagram reels just for Instagram, and then I went and made individual TikToks just for TikTok, I mean, they would perform better, but like that's not sustainable over a long term. So we're yeah. still doing the sort yeah, of- Yeah, you have to balance it. Yeah, long and cut strategy on those platforms. Whereas YouTube, since it's the most important to me, we're doing this sticky strategy. So that's what I've learned. I feel like that's, that's kind of useful for people to know. Um, because there's a lot of voices out there. This is based on data like that that I've seen and, and, yeah. and what we're seeing out there. For what sure. you're testing and, I, and seeing yeah. how it performs. Yeah, and I have tons of other insights as well um, that we've seen from the data. But those are the biggest like broad things that I've seen and the changes that we've made. Well, I mean, what you just kind of said in that last sentence or so here, like that, it just made me think back to your talk at Social Media Marketing World and just all of the concrete examples of client videos that you shared and like you've got the experience to back up what you're saying about video content. So I really appreciate that. So yeah. 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 It was a great, great session too. So if anybody has access to 2022 social media marketing world recordings, you can hear Matt's talk. It was phenomenal. So um, Matt, uh, as we wrap up here, if people want to learn more about you, video, how to use video to leverage and make make more money online. Where can they get more information from you? Uh, if you go to mattjohnstononline.com, there's a free training on there you can watch um, to learn more about um, how I do what I do and how we use the systems that we have to make more money. And of course, as you know, we're going big on the YouTube channel. So that's always a good place of free information as well. 
Great, great. And we'll link to both of those, uh, those links here in the show notes. And Matt, thanks again for your time today and just sharing all that tangible wisdom. I mean, you just really broke things down um, in such an in-depth way. I really appreciate you sharing some of your insider knowledge. Thanks for having me, Val. Do people call you Val or just Valerie? You know, a lot of people call me Val. (laughs) I don't even notice when people call me one or the other. All my family calls me Val. Friends from college call me Val. Um, anyone that's from the Midwest, they just automatically call me Val. They don't even ask. That's yeah. just, that's just what they do. So yeah, Val, Valerie, I'll respond. Well, to thanks. You. Thanks, Val. I appreciate yeah, it. You're part of the family now. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Well, thanks again. If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one.